Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name is John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired Baltimore police sergeant. In the Law Enforcement Today radio show, we are joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, their families, and the community. We'll also be discussing issues in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement. Check out our daily articles on our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. He's a retired police officer, a narcotics investigator, and author from a city in the United States that most people don't realize has a big-time narcotics and violent crime problem. He's here to talk about how elected politicians interfered with and ultimately ended one of the most successful investigative units in his city. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed Veterans and First Responders Treatment Program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. Calling us from Nashville, Tennessee, we have on the phone Robert Young. Robert is a retired Nashville police officer. Robert, thanks so much for joining us on the Law Enforcement Today show. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate you having me on. I know we're going to have an enlightening conversation. Uh, Although I policed in Baltimore, you policed in Nashville. We have a lot of similar stories, a lot of similar experiences. And I'm finding that to be the case with just about every law enforcement officer I interview anywhere in the United States. So much about what we do is similar. That's correct. The experiences are similar. The difficulties are similar. And you also did a bit of time working in big-time narcotics enforcement investigation investigative units. I did, too. I was detailed to DEA, Baltimore, Washington Task Force, and was deputized as a U.S. Marshal. And, and I know firsthand the difficulties and struggles with that line of work. Before we do and get in this conversation, and trust me, people listening, this is a conversation you're not going to want to miss. You have a book. You're, you're also a novelist. What is the name of your book? It is titled Gray, G-R-A-Y, and it's also called Rise and Fall of 1422. And roughly, what is it about? So I spent some time on the Nashville Drug Task Force, which no longer exists, and this book entails um, everything about the Drug Task Force and the last wiretap case worked in Nashville, Tennessee. It started with an ounce of cocaine, utilizing a confidential informant to purchase small amounts and just like any other investigation just worked up the chain where we got enough to get a wiretap signed by a judge and it really took off from there we had a leak 
where an officer was accused of leaking some information to one of our targets. So that created quite a kink in the investigation. Oh, yeah, that'll certainly cause a problem. <laughs> I was actually told by Internal Affairs that I needed to take the case down and um, pull the plug, so to speak, but I did not. So I didn't give up. As many police officers are, type A personality, yep. you don't want to listen to everyone, you don't want to give up, and I did not, and I kept pushing forward and continued the case, and it caught wildfire about three months in into the case, went straight up the chain, we were able to identify two different Hispanic drug trafficking organizations operating within Nashville, and it turned out to be a record Nashville seizure of about 100 kilos of cocaine. That's quite a case. Uh, where can people buy the book and get more information about it? Go to covertresults.com. That's C-O-V-E-R-T-R-E-S-U-L-T-S.com. And you'll see a pop-up there. It will prompt you if you would like to download the first couple chapters. And then also there's a book trailer it's uploaded to YouTube. Uh, it's about a three-minute trailer. Myself and an editor of mine spent some time on getting some footage together, and it's a, it's a pretty cool trailer. I've had some very good, positive feedback on it. I think that that is a common theme for a lot of law enforcement officers, that when they get done, I'm going to write the great American novel and tell people <laughs> what policing is really all about. And, and quite honestly... I had that dream at one point in my life, too, but I pursued radio, and I found out I'm just not that good at writing. I'm really not a great writer at all, and it's a lot more difficult than people might think. Yes, you are correct, and and I thought the exact same thing. I thought I was just going to knock this thing out in a month or two time and put it on the market and be the next New York bestseller. Well, au contraire. That's, it took me a, a little over 11 months to write it. Uh, when I, as soon as I retired, I started a private investigation in an armed security company. So putting on the entrepreneur hat immediately, I have to run a business, which is a little, which is more than just doing working cases in general. You have to worry about running QuickBooks and running the phones and there's just so many more things it's, to yeah, do it's to worry about. And it's and, seven days a week and it's basically 24 seven, 365. Oh, yeah. You got to keep up with social media these days, and you know how that is. Yes, I do. um, And by the way, in addition to doing the Law Enforcement Today radio show, I'm also a full-time radio guy, retired Baltimore Police Sergeant. I also run the social media for Law Enforcement Today, most of their their Facebook page, Twitter. So when you see posts on there, 99% of the time, it's coming from me. We're going to talk more about your book in a moment. I'd like to give people a bird's eye view of your career in law enforcement from start to finish, when you started and when you ended. So my dad was a police officer. He was the youngest sheriff in the state of Mississippi at 18, and he moved on to become a narcotics agent in Mississippi. Then he went on to become a railroad policeman. I believe at the time it was LNN, and then it's changed names several times, and got moved around in the 80s. The name changed to CSX. That's what people would know it as today, CSX Railroad Police, and it's actually a federal position. Mm-hmm. So, By the way, great job if you can get it. Yes, yes. With, with and, wonderful and, retirement benefits. Uh, it's wonderful. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, so in Nashville in 84, that's when he was transferred to Nashville and just growing up, 
I watched my dad do everything from do surveillance on a train with frozen french fries all the way up to secretive military equipment. And I just thought it was so cool. And he did so many internal investigations as well. And he was known as one of those persons that just didn't take no from anybody, basically. So I saw that growing up and I knew that I wanted to be in law enforcement, number one. And number two, I knew that I wanted to, to investigate things. So went off to college, got a criminal justice degree, and just before I graduated, my dad actually retired. I thought I had a nice little shoe in the door because I knew the right person. Well, that just didn't work out that way. So that just happens. That's life. Things don't work out sometimes the way you think it is. So right. I thought to, I thought to myself, I didn't. I don't want to be that guy that's standing on the side of the road writing tickets to someone. I want to be doing investigations. I want to have fun. I want it to be an adrenaline rush. So. I did an internship at the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, and I had someone nice enough to tell me that if I wanted to advance in a career so quickly with a lot of different units, then join the Metro Nashville Police Department. Right, and you start off, and I always tell people this, you start off 99% of the time in patrol, as a patrolman in a marked car, and you're answering calls, and you learn as much as you can about police work in the shortest period of time by being in patrol. Exactly, and... A lot of the department heads, they preach that the patrol is the backbone it of is, the department. Yeah. And it and it, it is. You, you're 100% correct, and they're correct. And But there are also other support units that do a lot of work. And sometimes you may not hear what they're doing, but they're doing everything behind the scenes. Yep. So in 2007 is when I went into the Metro Nashville Police Academy. It was a pretty tough 25 weeks. Uh, the standard state post certification, you only have to go 10 weeks, so this was more than double. So I set my eye on a prize, and that was Top Gun, and I was able to literally just practice every single day dry firing in my own home to a point where I was able to achieve that award. So at the end of the academy, I was awarded that, and I was very grateful of that. And it, and it was true that hard work really paid off. The next step is, like you said, I went in patrol. You ride with a FTO, field training officer, for six months, and then you're released on your own. Well, here in Nashville, the next step after patrol is called a flex unit. And basically, it's a proactive unit where you're not answering calls such as domestic or wrecks. You're, you may answer the hot calls or code three calls. Right. Yeah, we call them that, like crime prevention or operations. We're, we're going to take a short break. We are talking with Robert Young, retired Nashville police officer. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Got an old car? You can donate it, whether it's running or not, to the United Breast Cancer Foundation and save a life. They'll even come and pick it up for free. The United Breast Cancer Foundation has saved hundreds of women's lives through their free or low-cost breast screen exams. But now they need your help. The United Breast Cancer Foundation wants to save more lives through early detection by offering women free or low-cost breast screening exams. And donating your old car, SUV, or truck, whether it's running or not, helps pay for them. Plus, you get a charitable tax deduction. Help the United Breast Cancer Foundation save lives by donating your old car, SUV, or truck. Call now for free pickup. 800 280 800-280-9435 
800-280-9435. Call right now. That number again is 800-280-9435. We all know that law enforcement, first responders, and military have dangerous jobs. They see and experience traumas that most can't even imagine. And all too often, that takes a toll leading to substance abuse, PTSD, and co-occurring mental health disorders. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to helping protect those who protect. Call 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Online at transformationstreatment.center. Whoa. The moment my son saw a redwood tree. It's huge! Is the moment I knew that for him. You can't even see the top of that thing. Even the sky has no limit. There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go. Your moment is out there. Find it at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. On the phone with Robert Young on the Law Enforcement Today show, retired Nashville police officer. Now, Robert, we left. You were uh, in patrol. You started about 2007, went into operations or flex units, crime prevention. Uh, what happened to your career then? What, where did you go from there? It took me about four years to get where exactly where I wanted to be. That was the narcotics unit. I mean, what is cooler than taking a metal ram at six o'clock in the morning and waking somebody up out of bed and ramming it in their door and going in with guns out and arresting whoever's in there and getting it's the dope and the money. And quite the, the adrenaline rush for sure. I've handled the Ram or the sledgehammer quite often. I'm a bigger guy and I was, <laughs> we had written on the handle of the sledgehammer FTD in like for the florist, but it was for finding the drugs. I can say this, the adrenaline rush is extreme because you know, there's a high potential for violence and guns and all that comes with the territory. You're exactly right. Exactly right. And there's there's nothing else like it. It's the most exciting thing that you're going to do. Now, obviously, you hope that everybody is safe during the process, but that's what gets your adrenaline pumping and going. So, yeah. And when we did the drug raids, it was overwhelmed them. We'd catch it by surprise usually early in the morning. Mm-hmm. Overwhelmed them with noise and emotion. And uh, so you ever see police doing a raid and everybody's yelling and screaming that's why it's to like overload your senses we didn't have what the SWAT teams have we didn't have flashbang grenades we could throw in every time we went in a room because they're just not enough of them so you'd overwhelm them with a lot of noise a lot of action is that what you guys did oh yeah and and we utilized a 
sort of an, a threat assessment. And if it was too high, we would have to get SWAT or SRT involved. But like you said, they would have days to prepare, unlike other search warrants where we would have maybe 30 minutes to an hour. Yeah. And so, it became second nature. And, you know, one of the things that's, that's funny, I tell people, I never really got afraid in police work until afterwards or uh, frightened or, or had the fear come in, except when I knew I was going on a raid because the adrenaline would start going. You're working your mind, all the scenarios. What's my role? What do I have to do? What do we have to look out for in a specific situation? Is the person armed? If so, what are they armed with? What do we know? How do we overcome them? Exactly. And you have to prepare for things like that. You do the briefing, you do the back briefing, make sure everybody knows what's going on. So that's some, just part of it. Some but. of our <laughs> biggest raids were we had a bunch of us stacked up in the back of U-Haul trucks hitting high-rise projects. <laughs> There'd be like 30 police in the back of a U-Haul truck uh, and four trucks and rolling. We all up coming out screaming. It was almost like Keystone Cops, uh, kind of comical to watch. Oh, yeah. And that's that's the best part of it is we've got so many stories and friends that aren't law enforcement. They want to hear everything we got to say. And that's another reason why I wrote this book. I just I felt like I've been getting some great feedback as well about how they had no idea how long this case took. And I said, this is just one case, folks. Yeah, this is one case, one wiretap case that took a year. And they do take so, a long time. And, it's, and what do people don't, don't understand about wiretaps, and to make it very brief because I don't want to get into legal discussions, at least in Maryland, you had to show exhaustion. You had to exhaust all the other investigative tools first and then present your probable cause for the wiretap warrant, basically, and present it to a judge. So before you got the tap, you had to do a lot of work. Exactly. And, and that's, that's why it took so long is you really got to – take months and months of work before you even flip the switch, so to speak. Right. Now, for those who say, is it all worth it? There are people out there who, in their mind, in their opinion, drugs, drug distribution networks, I call them criminal gangs because that's what most of them are. They think of it as a victimless crime. What would your response to them be? What do they not know about drug organizations? Well, I can sum that up real quick and just saying... Look at the crime stats. I mean, here in Nashville alone, since the fall of the drug task force in 2014, which I referenced the stats in, in the book, the crime rate, the murder rate has shot through the roof. 2014, 2015 on the rise steadily. And then last year, there was over 100 murders, which is a more than 20 year high. So you can't tell me that crime does not circle around narcotics or drugs it does and every day you turn on the tv what do you hear the opioid crisis well that's heroin people yeah and it does it's almost you can see it happen to a neighborhood it's almost like a cancerous effect when you have a small cell of a a criminal drug group come in and it, it tends to grow and grow and the whole atmosphere of the community changes and becomes violent People don't want to be outside. They can't enjoy being on their porch. The kids can't play in the front yard. Gunplay becomes frequent. And we have yep. record numbers of people being shot. And they'll, they'll say, well, hey, as long as it's them shooting them, they're like solving the problem. Well, it's not confined just to drug dealer against drug dealer. It's oftentimes drug dealer against an addict. It's oftentimes drug dealer against someone who said, hey, get off my corner. Or drug dealer shooting at someone hitting an innocent victim. Exactly. And, and here in Nashville and also in Tennessee, they enacted the 
drug-free school zone law. Well, our local prosecutor refuses to prosecute that law in general. So that kind of hinders a investigation because a lot of these drug dealers we're talking about, they haven't just had one or two chances or one or two strikes. They've had multiple. Many, many of the dealers in this book that I speak of and in this case, more than half were on either probation or parole. They know the game. Absolutely. We, we dealt with career criminals They and they had... Sometimes they'd have arrest records, 15, 20, 30 different incidents. Didn't get convictions all the time. A lot of times we got probation for judgment, null pros by the state's attorney, whatever terminology mm-hmm. you want to use. And then, of course, the other ones, they'd be plea bargained down to the lowest offense and they get the least amount of time and they get out early. Then right back at it again. Exactly. And that's what's so frustrating about these long term cases. I gained about 15 to 20 pounds personally. I had an eye twitch for about six months. It's very stressful working wiretaps, working any case. I mean, homicide detectives, everybody's going to go through it. Patrol, Even on patrol, you're going to be stressed out. You're going to be hitting the drive-thrus. And when you take the time to investigate and you put that person away and do your job, and then the, the system or the district attorneys turn around and let them off on probation, you spent more time investigating than they're actually going to stay behind bars. Absolutely. And we would always say this. It was taught to me very, very young that the only thing I could do was the best job possible on our end. And what the courts did was their responsibility. And there's a clear delineation between the courts and police departments and even the state's attorney's office. Uh, But it's very, very frustrating because you have the revolving door of career criminals i'm not talking about johnny who went down the street and bought a five dollar bag of reefer i'm not talking about that and people often confuse narcotics investigation with that Mm -hmm. did you guys go out looking for the guy smoking a joint so there is a unit that is with every precinct there's eight precincts in nashville and they're called csu or crime suppression unit and they do focus on lower level drug dealers right and you know we call them the jump out boys so Eventually, that is a stepping stone to get to the the big drug task force that that I that I had retired from. The little Johnny smoking weed on the corner is not who you want. You no. you may want to get Johnny and talk to him, put a little pressure on him, and tell him, "Hey, who's your dealer? Who exactly. can you who can you give us? Because exactly. you want to flip Johnny to get to the next person." And the reason that happens is because members of the community call and exert pressure on the mayor who's elected and the mayor by the way is the person who appoints the police commissioner or police chief and the police chief or police commissioner appoints his major command staff in the police department and they set the tone so when someone let's just say a prominent member community picks up the phone and says hey we got a problem with people smoking pot of the corner and they call the police commissioner's office it rolls downhill we, I, you know what it means and people have to go do the job and what do they do they blame the police saying well don't you have anything better to do well let's read exactly. first of all you elected that mayor secondly he appointed the police commissioner he or she and they told us what to do oh well, by the way the same mayor the same politician then turns around and blames the police as if yep. somehow they're faultless in all this it's quite the uh frustrating thing this is law enforcement today show we're gonna take a short break we're talking with robert young retired nashville police officer don't go anywhere we'll be right back want to fly somewhere looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets then call 
That's right. Call the low-cost airline travel hotline now for prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. Low-cost airlines has all kinds of cheap travel deals. Fly domestically and save up to 75%. You can even fly internationally and save even more. Yes, fly anywhere in the world and save a lot of money on your plane tickets. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. So don't book your tickets until you call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. Call right now for prices so low they can't be published. Travel experts are here 24-7 to help. 800-451-8603. 800-451-8603. That's 800-451-8603. Epidemic. America's public health crisis. These are all terms that describe the current problem of drug and alcohol abuse in the United States. Countless lives are lost, and heartbroken families are too many to count. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to saving lives. Call 888-991-9725 and online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has many acclaimed treatment programs offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725 and online at transformationstreatment.center. There are many sounds in your daily life. Ones that make you smile. (laughs) Ones that help you relax. And there are some sounds that can help save lives. Wireless emergency alerts. Now on many mobile devices, use a unique sound and vibration to bring you critical information about emergencies in your area. With updates from local sources you know and trust, you can be in the know wherever you are. Learn more at ready.gov alerts. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. The Law Enforcement Today radio show has grown so much and so rapidly, we now have two Facebook pages. You can do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. That's a new page. Be sure to click like when you get there and follow. In addition, we have our main page, which is Law Enforcement Today. So do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today and be sure to click like and follow that one as well. When you have a chance, be sure to go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com and download our free mobile app. We have a version for your Android and iPhone devices. It's 100% free. Get it at lawenforcementtoday.com. Joining us on the phone, we have Robert Young. Robert is a retired Nashville police officer and also an author. What is the name of your book again? Gray, Rise and Fall of 1422. Now, that's basically chronicles your career in uh, narcotics task force investigations. Is that correct? That's correct. Earlier on in the interview, you mentioned a case where you did a, a buy with an informant an ounce, I'm, I'm assuming it was cocaine, and that led to multi-kilos, wiretaps, and a very prolonged investigation. But you hit a lot of obstacles along the way in that investigation. 
the internal affairs one is one, but you mentioned something very interesting. The state's attorney's office got in the way. Is that paraphrasing it or is that oversimplifying it? They got all in the way. That is that is correct. Well, tell us about it. So we went up on a phone that was July of 2014. And then the leak shortly happened, probably about three weeks later. The administration disciplined an individual who they thought was the leak, even though we did not have enough information pointing that this officer was, in fact, the leak. So they paraded that officer out at the front of headquarters where we called it the Green Mile, where if officers were in trouble, they would be on display. Basically, they would sit up in the front of headquarters with um, sex offenders. So as crazy as as that sounds, that's something that the administration decided to do. So that officer sat there for quite a while as we tried to not only work a wiretap case, but also work to either clear or figure out if this officer was in fact a leak. So that was a big obstacle in the very beginning, told to take the case down, pull the plug. Little did internal affairs know that we had just identified one of the major players this person was on parole for cocaine so we knew that we were going in the in the right direction once we got up on that individual's phone it literally spread like wildfire people were calling on the phone asking for twos and fours and nines and ninas and four and a half and babies which is all common terminology when you hear wiretaps with dope so if someone asks for a four and a half they're talking about four and a half ounces of coke or a nine, which would be a quarter kilo, nine ounces. Those are all very common terminology with the wiretap. So when we got really going on the wiretap, probably about October, November, we had something that hit us that we had we, we did not expect. So I didn't mention that several months prior to the wiretap, we had a district attorney change. New politics come in. The prior district attorney had been there for 20 plus years, 25, 28 years, and wiretaps were ran seamlessly. All good wiretaps and the district attorney was great. This guy was a, the new district attorney was a former defense attorney. I actually liked him Um, very well, very put together, very smart, um, very nice to officers in court. So he currently is the district attorney, comes in and we have wire room wiretap monitors. We have civilian monitors. You have to, when you hear the call coming in, you have to take the call, of course, and you have to listen to what is being said. Now, you can go back and you can summarize what's being said, but at night, after 5 o'clock from midnight, we did run the wiretap. We ran it from 8 a.m. to midnight. Well, we had assistant district attorneys that were acting as monitor supervisors, which is in accordance with the law. Right. Well, the DA came in and literally took all Davidson County assistant district attorneys away from us. So we were left to go outside the county and find other wiretap civilian monitors and monitors that could supervise. Now, what is the purpose of having the monitor for those who who don't understand? There's a reason why they have to be there. Right. So according to the law, you have to have a either supervisor or officer and a supervisor can be an officer or it can be a district attorney, assistant district attorney. So that's just part of the rules. You can't 
deviate from them. You don't want the wiretap to uh, suffer because of you're not following the rules correctly. So Right. And one of the things we, that we had to do is you, if there over a period of time there wasn't a mention of criminal activity, you had to disconnect that phone call. So that was part of the reason we had a supervisor make sure they said, okay, cut it off. They're talking about shopping. They're talking about babysitting. Uh, it wasn't exactly. to, to listen in on every private aspect of their life. So, like, if you got a, a conversation about sex, we didn't want to hear that. Uh, exactly. That's the reason we have to people, minimize. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that that's all part of it. So, when this this district attorney took all of your monitors, all your attorneys out, in effect, what were they doing? Well, um, some of us kind of thought that maybe this person was just trying to sabotage the entire entire case. I'm not sure if that was totally true. However, it kind of felt that way. We already had a leak. Now we're having to find new monitors. So it was just one thing after the other. Would it be it fair did, to say did, that at least we're making it more and more difficult to do your job? Absolutely. For whatever reason. Um, yeah, they may have uh, they may have reasons that, that they think are justified to them, but the end result is they make it much harder for police to do their job. Absolutely, Jay. And... You know, that's just things you have to overcome. You know, it's not expected that we're going to face these obstacles like this. You're thinking that because you're listening to someone's phone, you're going to hear everything they're saying. So it's going to be easy. But these are things that are behind the scenes that people don't even think about. Yeah, for example, with a phone call, if they speak a different language, then you got to have translators as well. It's, it's never as easy, simple, <laughs> straightforward as people think it would be. And it's never like it's portrayed on television. Absolutely not. And that's exactly where we got into trouble with the with the original leak. We had a Hispanic being wiretapped and we had an Asian target being wiretapped and they were speaking a different different language. And we had to request a different uh, officer that wasn't part of the task force. And that's when the leak happened. So there was some other challenges that I had to face as well. One, which was actually kind of a good challenge, is when we uh, talked earlier about how we were able to identify two separate Hispanic drug trafficking organizations operating within Nashville. So when I realized I cannot do this all by myself, there is no way that I can target this part of the investigation and keep it going where I can target the second half. So what do police officers hate to do? Ask for help. Absolutely. To this day, I don't like so, asking anybody for help. <laughs> So I swallowed my pride and I thought about trying to do it myself. And obviously in a wiretap, you know this, Jay, you don't do a wiretap by yourself. You usually have a number one, a number two, and a number three right. because you have to have so, so much help. All those calls that are coming in, you need to corroborate what's going on on those phones. That's why we had the civilian monitors. They catch the calls, tell us, hey, Johnny's meeting Bo to, to sell him three. Well, where are they meeting? Well, they're meeting at the Sitco down at Old Hickory Boulevard. Okay, so we jump in our cars and we right. drive 60, 70, 80 miles an hour down there. We'd get set up. We'd watch the meet. We'd take pictures, take video, and that's your evidence right there. Exactly. The, so and, have, and there's certain things that people don't consider, you know, like eating a meal. And, and what happens after having a meal, that happens with all of us. And you don't have enough staff there you've got to take a break. You, you can't stay on the phone or the wiretap nonstop and then run and coordinate all the other aspects of the investigation at the same time. It just cannot be done physically. So how many people worked on this and about how many hours a day and how many days a week? Roughly about five people. That's it. And myself, probably about 12 hours a day, six and a half days a week. 
it was literally you were gone from home more than you were at home. This is a law enforcement today show. We are talking with a novelist, uh, author, retired Nashville police officer, Robert Young. We'll be right back in just a few moments. Don't go anywhere. Americans are going crazy for a new Italian diet pill that burns three times more fat than dieting alone. And the next 100 callers get three bottles for free. Sold under the brand name Invigorate 3X, this powerful pill triggers metabolic acceleration, a process that's deficient to most Americans, making weight loss a hassle. But a new study shows 30 pounds gone in 90 days with just two capsules a day. Julie B. of Nashville says, I was skeptical, but when I saw a famous doctor made it, I decided to try it. I was shocked. I lost 16 pounds in six weeks. For a limited time, our listeners get three free bottles with a qualifying order. Call 1-800-932-1786 now to get started. Call in the next 10 minutes and also get a free bottle of the Doctor's Ultra Detox. And don't forget your free 14-day diet fix. No obligation and 100% free when you call right now. 800-932-1786. 800-932-1786. We all know that law enforcement, first responders, and military have dangerous jobs. They see and experience traumas that most can't even imagine. And all too often, that takes a toll leading to substance abuse, PTSD, and co-occurring mental health disorders. Transformations Treatment Center is dedicated to helping protect those who protect. Call 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for addiction, substance abuse, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Transformations Treatment Center has a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program, offering rehabilitation and holistic treatment for all those suffering from substance abuse problems. Law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the dedicated and highly specialized treatment they need at Transformations. Their program features first responders and veterans therapists helping first responders and veterans. Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725 online at transformationstreatment.center. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You've messed up your daughter's haircut. Do you, A, get spiritual? Mom, where's the mirror? Beauty is within. Oh. B, find the positives. Less time blow drying, more time texting. Or C, show empathy. Mom, you really don't have twinsies. I kind of love it. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on adoption, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. are back to the Law Enforcement Today show. Joining us on the phone, Robert Young calling from Nashville, Tennessee area. Robert is a retired Nashville police officer, also a novelist. He's written a book called Gray. Uh, when we left off the interview, Robert, we're talking about the amount of hours that are involved in running long-term, high-end narcotics investigations. And these kind of apply to pretty much any of them. Whether it be the surveillance people or the guys on a wiretap, it's a lot of hours. It's a lot of work. And you may not know when you're coming home. So one of the challenges that everybody has in law enforcement is maintaining a family life. And how was that for you while you're doing this? 
Oh, it was greatly affected. You rarely even see your family. So you try to make time. You say you work six days a week, about 12 hours a day. So I, was it Sunday? Was it day? It was family time? Yes. Yeah, so Sunday was family day. We would try to get together and eat every Sunday. One of the hardest things I was dealing with during this case, which a lot of people don't even realize, is family problems. And one of those was my dad was battling cancer. Also, my sister was just diagnosed with ALS. She has four children. So there were things going on in my personal life where I wanted to spend as much time with my family as I could, but I also had this case that I'd started, and there was just no reason to give up. So one day a week, Sundays, we would sit down around the dinner table. We would talk about what went on for the week. But for me, it was a little bit different because I had my radio because it was I had to hear what the wire wiretap room monitors what the what the monitors were saying. So right. if they got a phone call that was very important, they would tell me over the radio. Also, I had a cell phone and an iPad, and those were connected to our poll cameras. We had cameras strategically placed that were watching different stash houses, so I would have those up at will. So although I was very distracted by watching these cameras and, and listening to the radio, I was able to spend a little bit of time with my family there on Sunday. So one in particular Sunday, I was only there for about 10 or 15 minutes, able just took my first bite of chicken, and they come across the radio and say, one of the individuals is coming to pick up a kilo. So that's some, that's a big amount that you yeah. want to cover. You yeah. want to know who it is because we didn't know who it was. It was just UM, unknown male. Luckily, I guess, luckily for me, bad for the bad guys, is their stash house was probably about five minutes from my parents' house where we ate on Sundays. So I was obviously the closest, and I was used to working on Sundays. That was also the days that I would update the search warrants. This case involved more than 80 search warrants. So as you can imagine, that's a lot of typing and we kept up with them every week because we didn't want to come to takedown day and stand in there with no search warrants done. So that was my update day. Sitting there at the dinner table and call comes through about this guy coming to get a kilo. So I race over there to the house set up. I'm on the pole cam. The guy leaves and I follow this guy all by myself all the way about 15 miles in, into Madison, Tennessee. And that was one of the biggest pieces of probable cause that I was able to put in that search warrant that later led to the seizure of over $80,000 and some kilos from that guy's residence. So I did what I had to do. And, you know, the title of my book is Gray, and sometimes you work in the gray. That's just part of it. It doesn't mean that you're, it doesn't mean that you're doing illegal things. Part of this case, we had multiple deals going on at multiple times, one of which was a nine-kilo deal. It was at one of the most popular shopping malls in Nashville. We had to let the deal go. If we would have moved in and took everybody down, then we would not have had the result that we had, which was 100 kilos of cocaine. So you asked yourself, do you allow nine kilos to go to walk away knowing that you're going to get a hundred and you're going to get a lot more rest. You're going to have a tough call to have to make a tough decision. And I've been in situations where I didn't agree with the person who made the decision. And in hindsight, when I look back, I understand. And and one of the aspects that has to be taken in consideration is you said there was in a mall. We don't want to take action in an area where contrary to what people might believe could possibly endanger innocent 
bystanders. If it can be avoided, exactly. we do our best to avoid it. And sometimes you've got to let things walk. You say, well, I'll get him another day. Because they're, they're going to be, these criminals are going to do this stuff every day of their life. And you're policing every day of your life. So we never broke the rules and did illegal stuff to get someone when you knew they'd be messing up tomorrow. Exactly. And, and truth be told, in this very specific situation that I mentioned about letting the nine kilos go, we actually got those at a later time because we actually hit the search warrants about a week later. And under the guy's stairs, which, thank goodness, for the gang unit that found them, they found a trap in the house. And under the stairs was about 15 kilos of cocaine. That's so of the nine, they were they were still there. We got them eventually. People don't think of Nashville, Tennessee as, as being a hub for, for narcotics, but we don't think of a lot of places as being a hub for narcotics. And to the extent that it is, we think of Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, but Nashville is a growing city and it's at a crossroads. It has people from all over the world or all over the United States there. And a lot of people distribute from that point, don't they? Exactly. Exactly. I've been asked that question so many times. And what I quickly explain to people is we have three interstate systems that come together. You have I-40, you have I-24 and I-65. And basically, it's a straight shot from Texas coming down 40. It's a straight shot from Atlanta coming up north. And if you're going to Chicago or New York, you're going to come through Nashville. So it, it is a hub. And you're exactly right. People don't think it, think about it. They don't realize it. They they may watch the local news and see some bust here and there, but you don't really see. If you think about it, there's no cop shows that go on in Nashville. There's no cops. There's no live PD. There's no First 48. None of that is in Nashville. And we're told that that's because of the chief doesn't allow any shows to partake in the Nashville area because it's a lot to do with tourism, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And yeah. Then, and we and then, have, yeah, then we go from the, the mayor who's elected, who appoints the police chief or police commissioner, and they set the tone for how things are done. <laughs> and when people say, why don't our police do this? Or why do they do that? And we say, well, did you vote last election? You say, yeah. <laughs> did you vote for the current mayor? Yeah. Well, that's why you are making this happen or you're preventing it from happening. That's correct. That's We're getting short correct. on time here. And I do want, uh, you know, we've talked briefly about this HIDA task force that you're part of. And it's mm-hmm. been so successful well, for so long. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> what happened with the district attorney? The task force is gone. It was called the 20th Drug Task Force. It was in a, it was there for over 28 years. And I was there on it. This was the last case that we worked. The title on my book, Gray Rise and Fall of 1422. Well, 1422 was the case number. It started in 2014. It was the 22nd case, and it was the last wiretap case worked by the Drug Task Force. It's no longer. There's a lot of equipment that can be utilized for wiretaps that is sitting there collecting dust, not doing a thing, and it's all because of politics. And this is coming from the district attorney and the mayor's office. They're the ones calling the shots. And in this case, the chief as well. I I basically put it because two people can't get along. Everyone else, including the Nashville citizens, have fell victim to the crime rate. And when this lack of a high-end investigative unit for these large drug distribution gangs are very violent, when that ends, there's an effect. There's a ripple effect on the rest of the community, isn't there? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And you can see it in the crime rate. Like I said before, it just, it's been on the steady rise since the fall of this unit. It may not be the, the team of five or six that was there may not be responsible for keeping the crime rate low, but it definitely had an impact. If you're seizing a hundred kilos of Coke and putting a lot of people away on hefty conspiracy charges, that's having an impact on the community. It's a huge impact. And for those saying, well, I'm okay because I don't live in Nashville or near Nashville, uh, these sort of things are happening across the United States and are happening more and more frequency due to elected politicians. Again, real quick, tell people where they can get your book. CovertResults.com. And the name of the book one more time is? Gray, G-R-A-Y, and then Rise and Fall of 1422. Robert Young, thanks so much for joining us on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Very much appreciated. Thank you for having me, Jay. In every community across the United States, we have law enforcement officers. We have first responders. We have incredible stories of heroism from our first responders. In addition to that, we have heroic crime victim survivors. If you want to tell your story of survival and how you recovered and how you rebuilt your life, feel free to contact us. We'd love to have you as a guest on the Law Enforcement Today show. Go to our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. Heck, send me an email. My email address is j, that's j-a-y, at lawenforcementtoday.com. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with us here at Law Enforcement Today. On behalf of everyone associated with the show and the website, this is John J. Wiley. Until next time, see ya.